Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And more El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. Young, ground full side, he slides it into the nets. Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa. Villa's a big clap mate. So. Welcome to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com in association with Manscaped. In this episode, we shall be reviewing our League Cup tie with Chelsea and of course there's the small matter of events at Old Trafford on Saturday. Before looking ahead to yet another away trip um, to the Seditious Six this weekend, I'm Andy, and today I'm joined by Craig and Dan. This is the Aston Villa of beating Manchester United klaxon. It only comes out every 12 years, a little bit like a armadillo who has 12-year-itis. Uh, I am Craig, and... <laughs> I'm delighted. I'm literally giddy with excitement that we've beat Manchester United, as you can tell. So you can expect me to be completely happy with everything apart from Ollie Watkins' finishing. And uh, yeah, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hey everyone, it's Dan here. Good to be back. I I took a week off for a little warm weather training break, but I'm back. I'm fresh. And what a win to come back to, eh, guys? Yeah, you've come back at the right time. The... The fair weather podcaster will have to uh, will have to call you. Uh, while me, me and me and Craig um, go through the hard times, but we must first of all start with uh, with last Wednesday because um, we've not discussed this yet. Um, as Villa took on Chelsea in the Carabao Cup, um, both teams um, selected somewhat somewhat weakened sides um, with Courtney Hawes, Morgan Sanson, and Cameron Archer starts starting for for Villa. Um, with Ashley Young um, as captain of the team for the night, Villa of course managed to to um, take Chelsea to penalties, um, despite falling behind uh, to a Timo Werner header. As cup hero Archer buried an excellent cash cross, Craig, with a pile driver of a header. Um, he had led the line really well and missed a couple of good openings himself during the game. Um, but this this game felt like a real coming of age for him. Um, we won't dwell too much on the penalties. We know we lost in the end. Um, no need to go over that too much. But but what about Archer now going forward? Uh, he's clearly had um, plenty of interest before the window closed in the summer. But Smith sees enough potential in him, you know, to keep him around. With Davis hope, hopefully returning soon as well. Where is Archer in terms of the squad? And can he push Watkins and Ings this season? Well, yeah, magnificent start for Archer, who is, has come from absolutely nowhere, it's fair to say, in the, the Villa kind of reckoning. Obviously, lots of excitement has been uh, abound with the, the regards to Louis Barry from Barcelona via West Bromwich Albion. And also, of course, Brad Young, who's now at Carlisle. And so Cameron Archer really went under the radar, um, obviously had a, a what could be considered a disappointing spell at Solihull Moors. But by all accounts, um, as uh, the Bard has said, uh, 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 Craigie Shakespeare, he came in to preseason training and, you know, everyone was kind of 
had their jaws on the floor at how this guy had developed. It just goes to show all players develop at different phases, different times. You mentioned uh, Courtney Horse. You know, he seems to be really developing now in, in, in later years. Ollie Watkins took a few years to get going. So it's no crime for players not to be ready for the Aston Villa first team at 18 or 19. You know, even Callum O'Hare, look, is uh, starting to become a bit of a player now. He's moving into his mid-20s. But Archer seems to be the real deal. He seems to be an instinctive finisher. And the way he took that header against Chelsea was absolutely incredible. And it was a finish that, that Watkins or Ings would have been proud of. So I think Archer is ahead of Keenan Davis. I think Keenan Davis has had chance after chance after chance. And although Keenan Davis brings something to the party in terms of his hold-up play, um, Keenan Davis can't finish his dinner. I mean, we've seen that time and time again. I think Keenan Davis was about to be loaned to Stoke and then... Unfortunately, he had his papadomitis and fell away again. So it's disappointing for Keenan. But Keenan, Dane, Keenan Davis's loss and Wesley's loss, as he's been loaned out to Club Bruges, is Cameron Archer's gain. And he is now the man to step in, um, making his Premier League debut and win at Old Trafford and, and scoring against European champions Chelsea in the Cup. It's, a, it's, it's an auspicious start for, for Cameron Archer. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Craig there. He's, he's been such a surprise package for us. It's like we found him down the back of the sofa or something. It's I don't think anyone knew knew what was coming from him. And, I mean, I, I love watching him. He's great at leading the line. He's, he's perfect from a headline writer's perspective with a surname like Archer. And I think he just shows the impact that having young players in and around the first team has. I think he'd have seen his peers last year in and around the squad getting a couple of minutes, and that would have pushed him. And in turn, him getting minutes is going to push the guys below him. And and in terms of guys below him, I'd definitely put Keenan Davis in in that category. I think, if anything, Keenan Davis is a cautionary tale for Cameron Archer. I mean, Keenan Davis came through. He had his opportunity in the first team. But he's never gone on from there. He's never cemented a squad place. He's never cemented a starting place. And I think if I was Cameron Archer, I'd be looking at Keenan Davis as as an example of what not to do. And I think uh, the, it's one challenge to get into the team. Very well done for Cameron Archer to get into the team. The next step now is to make yourself a regular part of the team. We've seen that with Ramsey this season, and I think that's the biggest challenge ahead of, of Archer and, and an even bigger one for Keenan Davis, who, who has a role to play as a player off the bench, but I, I just don't like him as a striking option for us. I, I like the... Um... The uh, found down the back of the sofa analogy, really. I think I think that's that's kind of it. It's he's one he's a player that was kind of on the radar a couple of years ago, and but not really not really knocking on the first team door. Obviously, still still under contract at the club, um, and has really come to the fore. And he's obviously shown something uh, this summer as he's come back from Solihull Moors. Um, he's shown something to the coaching staff that suggests, hang about this this guy's got something. This guy's you know, either developed in a certain way while he's been away, um, <clears throat> that you know that lends himself to to playing in the Premier League or playing um, under Smith um, in a certain way, and they've gone well. You know, let's let's give him an opportunity. I think it's you know you mentioned Wesley there, Craig as well. You know, the fact is that you know if Wesley hadn't have been about to sign for Club Bruges, he would have probably started at Barrow and Archer wouldn't have Archer wouldn't have played. So, you know, it's those little sliding doors moments sometimes that can that can allow a player to come into the come to the fore and come into the team. You know, and and if he if it if the stars align 
as they have, they seem to have done for for Archer. Suddenly, you you you're off and away, and I watch him, and I'm never surprised when he scores. You know, when 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 Davis scored against West Brom last season, I was I was shocked. I was I was, you know, that's amazing. It's like a it's like um you know a, a huge deal. But when Archer scores, you expect it because of his movement, because of the way he is, his composure, and the quality of his finishing. You know, yeah, we can talk all we like about well, it was only Barrow, but those were three really, really well taken goals, and the one at Chelsea. I mean, I, I tweeted um, about the two headers we've seen uh, last week from from Archer and Hawes. You know, wonderful, absolute executed to perfection. I mean, that's not an easy cross. To, to to guide in and he's put some real power behind it. Well he's used the pace of the cross and he's he's added that that bit of zip to it and it's it's just crashed in off the bar like a like a volley, you know. Um tremendous stuff. Really really good, really promising I think. But can he replace it Watkins or Ings? Well I think Ings and Watkins I, I, I do want to talk about them, but another quick word on Archer. I think back to your point, Andy, you are surprised when Keenan Davis scored. And I was actually surprised when Archer missed, actually, because he did, he did have a couple of really guilt-edged chances in that first half against uh, against Chelsea. One of them identical almost to his to one of his goals against Barrow, where he just dinked it over the keeper and it, it lands in the back of the net. Unfortunately, this time it landed just over the top of the crossbar. But you can see with his movement, you can see that he's in the right place at the right time. Part of the the battle with strikers is getting into the right positions and knowing where to be, knowing the runs to make. He made a really intelligent run to get away from his marker for that for that strike that went uh, that went over the bar. And Morgan Sanson, who also was fabulous in that game, by the way, so shout out to Morgan Sanson, um, picked him out and unfortunately put it over the crossbar. But Archer seems to be the real deal. Again, we found him <laughs> down the back of the sofa with a, 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 two, a, a two pound coin and a, and a, and a, and a, and a packet of Weetabix. Um, we have a large sofa in my house. And, um, <laughs> 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 but Why have you got say, Where are you putting your Weetabix, So it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it all augurs well. Well, you know, he's been eating Weetabix old Archer over the, uh, over the, over the, over the summer. Um, and he's, he's, he's reaping the rewards, you know. And I think that, um, we should probably have a chat about Ings and, and Watkins because although Villa are doing very well, um, Ings and Watkins, to me, they're looking like two kind of individuals at the minute. And it's kind of tricky to see that, that they don't seem to have any chemistry right now. And that, that may be actually, that may open the doorway for Archer to find his way in the team sooner sooner than later. Yeah, I just don't know. I, I... I don't know who he replaces in that front two. He he seems to me more of a goal scorer, which seems to be Watkins' role in this this partnership. But then you lose all of Ollie's work rate, which is keeping him in the team right now. Um, I know we'll come on to to Ings and Watkins in the United game, but I was I was wondering how you guys felt. I saw a lot of not a lot, a fair bit of pushback to to Dean Smith not asking the young lads to take a penalty during the shootout. And I know we wouldn't talk said we wouldn't talk about penalties, but but for me it felt like the right choice to not put those lads in the firing line. I think it's you know, it's a lottery penalties anyway, but no need to expose them to this at, at a young age and not a particularly important, you know, competition. But I was I was surprised at how much flack I saw out there for for marvellous stepping up rather than, say, Archer or, I don't know if Philogene Bades was on the pitch at the time, but how did you guys feel about it? 
Well, I'm, I'm not personally. I'm not sure I've ever seen Marvelous kick the ball twelve <laughs> yards before. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I was a bit surprised to see him taking a penalty, and I wasn't surprised when he missed. I was surprised when Ashley Young missed. I thought mm. he'd have buried his. Um, that was more disappointing for me. Um, but I think I can understand it. But then I think sometimes these these lads have to be exposed to a bit of adversity as well. And I, I'm sure you know Cameron Archer. I, I assume was still on the field at the time. I think he was. I, I wouldn't have had any qualms about him taking a penalty. And you know, if you miss, you miss. At the end of the day, I mean, we found this this with England. You know, you can't legislate for it. Sometimes, sometimes the you know that the best penalty takers miss, as we saw <laughs> on Saturday. So um, you know, it's 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 just one of those things. And but generally speaking, as well, the better players do score, um, and you you do find that I wasn't surprised we lost that penalty shootout. I, I, I saw a lot of people saying that penalties are a lottery. They're not a lottery. It's a it's a it's a skill. You know, either side, whether you you're taking a penalty or 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 you're in goal. There's an awful lot of skill um, and pressure. It's a loser moments. talk, that is, Andy. Loser talk. <laughs> it's not a lottery. I agree with you. Yeah, you, 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 you know, good players finish penalties um, most of the time. Obviously, sometimes they miss, but you know, generally they they put them away, and that's what makes them better players. Uh, having those kind of skills. Yeah, I, I would argue it's it's less of a technical skill, more of a mental one. I think that, that most players, other than Marvellous Andy, can kick it 12 yards and with some kind of accuracy. Although Marvellous was excellent uh, in that game, I thought, uh, against Chelsea as well. So fair play, not to mention great showing last week against Everton. So I'm only I'm only kidding Marvellous. We yeah, love you. we love Marvellous. Um, I do think it's kind of a mental a mental thing, but obviously Dean Smith has deliberately kind of protected Carney Chokwamenka and, and Archer there because you would expect them to be taking penalties ahead of um, Marvellous Nakamba. And, um, but, you know, Dean Smith made a bold choice, I think, actually, in that game, not just with the penalty takers, but also with the team selection. Um, he rested a lot of players, and also he didn't put the big guns on the bench like Thomas Tuchel did. Let's not forget, we saw Mason Mount, we saw N'Golo Conte, we saw um, Romelu Lukaku for Chelsea. We saw their star players out in force for that cup game, whereas Dean Smith had the kids on the bench. So I think that was brave, but it was also a decision that ultimately was vindicated with the historic victory at Old Trafford. Yes, and we must get on to that, I suppose, mustn't we? Um, hard, hard luck for the, the lads to lose in the cup, but... We kind of expected it, but yeah, let's let's talk about Man United and and the daunting trip that we had at the weekend. Um, we'd not beaten Manchester United for twelve years, and that was the I think the only time since nineteen ninety five when Craig was there in his Mark Draper t shirt, uh, <laughs> Villa shirt. I seem to remember. <laughs> so, I'm gonna have to post a picture of this because I've I've got I've got haters and doubters thinking <laughs> that I can't wear a shirt 25 years later and still fit me. Hey, I, I can. Yeah, I well, can I've, and I I've got Carry sh- on. I've got a shirt from the same year and <laughs> mine certainly doesn't fit. But um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> although I am a work in progress. Um, but Dean Smith stuck to his three five two formation, which had served him well against Everton. Um, with Courtney Hawes uh, replacing lone tied Axel Twanzabi um, with the only change. Leon Bailey was was missing with a thigh injury and record signing Emmy Buendia again found himself benched. 
both sides had good early moments, but Villa went closest to, um, with Matty Cash with some great work, uh, wing play uh, on the right-hand side, and he was able to to pick out target on the opposite side who skied his chance, good chance, over the bar from four yards. This was followed with um, a, a really great chance for Ollie Watkins, um, who was presented the ball by De Gea, only to return a, a weak shot really straight back at the keeper, which then sort of bounced off it back off Ings's head. Um, much much of the chatter on social media at this point in the match was was about the missed chances, um, possibly coming back to bite us later on. This must be an area of concern for Smith, um, or you know, will he look at it that he's just pleased to be creating these these big chances, um, particularly away from home at big clubs. Yeah, I must have missed that chatter on social media because mine was just full of Andy saying how bad the three five two was and how he never wanted to see uh, it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew it was going to come up. Thought I'd get that one in, but no, no. I think the misses is a really important point. Let's be honest, it was a great day at the office for the team. What a result! I, I went for a walk around Manchester City Centre just as the United fans were getting back from the ground and drinking in their sadness. It was wonderful, brilliant. But it could have been an even better day. You can uh, that. Matty target miss I could have put that in and kind of it was what all the three yards out and he blazes it over and then uh, the Ollie Watkins one I think is possibly even worse he's a striker in that position all he needs to do is steady himself and he can put it away and even let's not let Esri Concer off here he he got up for another set piece and I think should have done much better and I think we've said that a few times about Esri Concer this year so all in all, yeah, a fair few misses in there. And and if we take one, two, three of those chances, we're talking about an even more memorable day at Old Trafford. And the penalty drama at the end, which I'm sure we'll talk in depth about in a minute, would have been academic, although that possibly wouldn't have been as fun as it ended up being. But no, these misses, uh, it's, if we're going to improve as a side, we've got to cut out these misses. We've got to be more ruthless in front of goal. Because in this league, it's about being ruthless, about taking your chances when you get them. And I think we actually got away with one. As good a performance and as good a win it was, we got away with one because we didn't take the chances. don't know. How about you, Craig? What did you reckon? I think it's unacceptable, actually. The the, the chance. This is the only thing I'm going to complain about on this week's show, so I'm going to complain about it hard. Um, <laughs> the, the, the missed chances are... <laughs> the miss, no, the, I'm, in all seriousness, the missed chances are kind of unacceptable at this point. We saw Watkins misses at Chelsea. They were very, very costly. I said on this show um, they were just as costly as Tyrone Mings's uh, error, if not more, because those that uh, particularly one of them just has to be a goal. Um, Watkins was up to the same tricks again, um, unfortunately, against Manchester United. He had a really good chance there um, against De Gea, and, and the, 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 when De Gea made the mistake, I'm sorry. But the concerning thing was really Watkins' body language. He didn't look like he believed he was going to score. Um, it was disappointing. And then there was a couple of other chances that seemed to come to Watkins. One, which turned out to be offside, where he's miscontrolled the ball in the six-yard box, where he should be probably doing a diving header, or a confident Ollie Watkins, you think, might be doing a diving header or volleying that home. Um, and then there was another one where the ball has played into him, and then it seems like he's gone down very, very easily under a challenge from Wan-Bissaka where he should be holding the defender off and, and, and slotting one home. So it's beginning to become a concern, Ollie Watkins finishing, because it's um, it's concerned me for a long time. Long-time listeners will know that this isn't me jumping on a bandwagon. I've been moaning about this for <laughs> over a year. And um, the, the, the concern is that we got away with it on Saturday. 
We didn't get away with it against Chelsea. And there will be a game, there will be games, plural, this season where it's nil-nil. We're away at Leicester or we're struggling against Leeds or we just have a flat performance against Burnley because we don't seem to know how to deal with Sean Dyson, his anti-football. And we're going to get a little scrappy chance and that's going to be the difference between three points or one point. And at some point, your, your, your striker just has to bury the chance. Watkins will never get any criticism for me for his off-the-ball work. Off the ball, he was exceptional again at Old Trafford, and he's a really important part about of how the team plays, and so let's not lose sight of that. But the finishing at this point is unacceptable, and it's going to have to improve. Yeah, and we know it's in there, don't we? We know he can finish. You know, he scored an awful lot of goals for, for Brentford, and, you know, he scored goals last season, you know, good finishes, and, and he, he does have that striker's instinct. But I think for me, it's about. I mean, we we you touched on it before, Craig. Where, you know, we're talking about these front the front two Ings and Watkins, and I remember stay, saying at the start of the season that I felt if they played up front together, they could be dynamite. Now, <clears throat> at the risk of sounding like a stuck record, I do feel that both of these players need, you know, more creativity around them. You know. They're, they're, is this your way of getting around to the three-five-two end? Well, yeah. <laughs> this is where this is going, isn't it? Shoehorn. At this in. point, I would give. I would. I would give you. I would give you. If you. If 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 they're if they're absolutely hell bent on playing three defenders, then how about a three-four-three? <laughs> because I just think it it drives me mad. It drives me mad. <laughs> it does um, that we've got these attacking players and they're all sat on the bench. I just. I just find it, and I'm sure at some point things will things will come right. And I think the point was made last week that look, whilst we whilst we're feeling our way into the season, we're trying to gel the team together. You know, maybe this is a this is a way that you know it gives us we are able to 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 kind of push push high up the pitch as we did on Saturday. I think Dan, you said you were concerned that they were pushed a little bit too high at times, and you know maybe a bit exposed, but. Yeah, I I don't know how many how many ways I can say it. Really, it's it it's, <laughs> it, it, it it does it it does drive me mad. And even though even though we won, I find it I find it really I find it really difficult. Um, but I'm sorry. look, ultimately, it's about results, isn't it? It's fine. It's it's about results. Um, but I, with Ings and Watkins, I just feel they're not quite clicking at the moment. They're missing something. Maybe that's you know a player in behind or 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 another attacker up with them. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, but something needs to something needs to click there, one way or another. Something something needs to click. Um, and like I've said before as well, with the target the target chance that came along, you know, we can we can criticise target all we like, but he's a defender. You know, he's you know defenders. Aren't expected to take those chances um, in quite the same way that that, that strikers and attackers are. So, um, whilst we don't let him off for that, because ultimately he's a professional footballer, we have to we have to acknowledge the fact that you know if we're relying on our fullbacks to um, to 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 be the creative forces, then you know everything else has to be really really good. I'm not even sure. I, I get your point. I'm just not sure. I think the idea with the the wing backs is to have one of them being the spare man, spare man all the time. 
And I think we saw that with that target chance is exactly what, what Dean Smith wants from his 3-5-2. We saw it throughout the game. One of the midfielders would go to the wing and one of the strikers would go to the wing and we'd create overloads. And just as England did in the third minute against Germany, not Germany, Italy. I've almost wiped it from my brain. It was wing back to wing back, and that's where the spare man is. So I think you're right. If we are going to play that, then we need a wing back who can finish from three yards, which should be any wing back in the league. If we're honest, <laughs> it should be. But, yeah, it should be. But yeah, I, I think in in sections, I agree with you, Andy. We got too many good players to leave on the bench and and kind of play three five two every week. But I think Dean Smith got it absolutely bang on against United, and I think. You know, we almost played a team, two separate teams. There was a pressing five and a defensive five. And he, he, we penned United into their own half, their own box for most of the game. And I think that only worked with a 3-5-2. But I, I, both of your concerns about Watkins and Ings, I share that partnership is not flourishing as quickly as we'd like. Maybe they should go on a few away days together. Maybe go do an escape room somewhere or something to kind of build some build some team spirit. Bit of paintballing or something, whatever they do these days. But um, <laughs> Villa have got history with paintballing. Let's not go down <laughs> yeah, we, that. Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> Never ends well. <laughs> well, yeah. The the I mean the, the the formation thing is 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 really funny to me. Um, because Andy in in the group chat, listeners, um, he just goes batshit every time <laughs> we play three five two. Even when we win, he hates it, and and so I I find it I I don't love it, but I I I do think that it's the right formation for for the, the games that we've been playing. But I do think we'll see more of four at the back as we did actually in the game against Chelsea. I do think we're going to see that moving forward. But something's going to have to give with with Watkins and things. And if we are going to four at the back, I don't think both of them are going to start. It is very early days, so obviously I'm not going to write them off as a partnership. But we haven't seen any kind of signs of life so far it'll be interesting to see uh gareth southgate's england squad to see if uh, which hasn't been announced at the time of recording here uh, because if ings um you would think ings is out the reckoning you would think that watkins probably isn't going to be in because he hasn't had a very good start to the season at least on the ball although off the ball has been perfect so maybe tammy abraham uh, gets uh, gets back in the england squad he's doing well over in in rome congratulations tammy we're all happy for you on this podcast so maybe they're gonna have two weeks together on a training pitch both of them fit and firing where they can start to work on that understanding and, and, and maybe we can start to tease a bit of a partnership but i think danny ings you know i think he's he's he's, he's doing really well he's doing the the old number 20 shirt, proud, you know, the likes of Christian Benteke, Adama Traore, our old friend Samata, and Aston Villa great Ricky Shemeka all wear that uh, number 20 shirt with pride. So we're happy with Danny Ings. Well done, Craig. Well done. We're, we're happy with Danny Ings and his start. You know, two goals, two assists in six games, I think is a solid start for him. But we need to see more output from Ollie Watkins. And Ollie, we're not, we're not haters. We love you. We know you can do it. As, as Andy said, he's demonstrated in the Premier League. He can score goals. But these chances can't keep going by the wayside. And we need to see Ings and Watkins playing a little bit more as a, as a team. Because at the moment, they're both working really hard as individuals. But as I said earlier, it looks like two individuals on the pitch rather than a, a strike partnership. So hopefully two weeks international break coming up or even the, um, you know, the Tottenham game can be where they can start to really show um, what they're made of as, as, a, as a tandem. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna talk about the the system again, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not going to. I, like I say, I think when 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 we win, I don't really care who plays or what 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 how they line up. It's it's um it's all good, and they you know they played 
really well. You know, you can't criticise any part of the game plan. Really, it was it was it was it was bang on. And um, yeah, yeah, I, my my um, I'm not usually at odds in that way. Do you know what I mean? Usually, I'm 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 quite on board with everything that's going on when the team are doing well. But um, I find it quite strange to be in this position where. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed about something when, even when we're 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 winning. But um, trust me, I am happy about the wins. Um, you are nearly as angry <laughs> about the three five two as I am about the the uh, Twanzebi loan deal, which we're going to talk about, I think, in a minute. Yeah, we, because yeah, we uh, <laughs> and 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 you know, so I I feel your pain. I cannot I cannot get round this Twanzebi on loan for the third time. A bit like you can't go over the three five two, and I'm sure all the listeners out there have something. I mean, Daniel Betridge is convinced that Trezeguet is a good footballer. So, <laughs> look, we all have we all have we all have things that we can't get past. Don't worry about I'll it. I'll tell you what, Trezeguet could could. Um, there's some mileage with him coming in on the the right side of that uh, right wing back. I reckon he. Yes, good. Andy. I reckon Andy's really, coming round to my he, way of thinking. I reckon he. I think there's some mileage we're getting eight million from Galatasaray and sending him on his way. <laughs> Some mileage in that. Anyway, it's nice to see him coming back. Anyway, it's nice to see him uh, on the grass. Um, it is on it the is. grass, as they say. Um, but Villa Villa went in level at half time, uh, and whilst United huffed and puffed, Smith's men looked organised and and coiled, ready for their opportunities. The midfield three of McGinn, uh, Louise, and 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 Ramsey looked in control uh, most of the time. With Ramsey again. Unfortunate in front of the goal, um, slipping just as he kind of looked certain to uh, to, to test uh, De Gea. Then on 88 minutes, another set-piece goal as Courtney Hawes met Louise's corner with a stunning header to put Villa ahead. It was no more than, than Villa deserved at that point, although still felt decidedly unexpected at the time. Um, talk me through this goal and also... You know, could this be a springboard for for Courtney Hawes, um, who is, as many would would say, is, is quite unfortunate um, to not be given more opportunities, um, given you know how well he generally performs when he comes in. Yeah, I think there's 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 been a, a a level of misfortune, but I think some of that is kind of to do with Hawes himself because he he is. I wouldn't quite put him in Papadom territory, but he he does pick up a knock here or there, which kind of which um, knocks him out of his stride. There you go, two two knocks in one sentence, um, knockers, if you will. Um, all right. So um, yeah. So basically, the goal was, I think, a carbon copy. I mean, uh, how happy was I when this went in? I I frightened the cat. I frightened the neighbours. I may have frightened the whole block with my shrieks of pleasure. Um, it was absolutely it, beautiful. It wouldn't be the, the first time, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. Well, now I'm manscaping. Obviously, the, the streaks of pleasure are more frequent in our house. But anyway, we absolutely, he absolutely blasted it. And we've spoken actually before on this very podcast about Courtney Hawes having an uncanny ability to get his head where it matters. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> to get his head on the end of the ball. Uh, oh, dear. <laughs> he's fantastic at winning headers. But unfortunately, he's got like a 50 pence head most of the time and it bounces out for a goal kick. But this time, he absolutely buried it. De Gea with no chance. Interesting that Manchester United didn't have a man on the line. Thankfully, they didn't because otherwise that would have been um, saved and we wouldn't be here talking about a 1-0 victory. 
But it was interesting in Hawes' interview afterwards, uh, Courtney Hawes mentioned that he took Tyrone Ming's spot and it was an absolute carbon copy of the of the almost goal from the Everton game last week where Begovic was actually probably slightly better positioned than De Gea was and was able to pull off a great save from Tyrone Ming. So it was exactly the same corner routine. Douglas Louise into the near post. Again, it nearly worked for us last week, but this week it did work and Courtney Horse is as he's he's done fantastic for Aston Villa. I said again on this podcast a couple of weeks ago that I didn't want to see Twan Zebi starting ahead of Horse because Horse is our player. He's going he's one of us. We're developing him for us, not for the benefit of Manchester United's transfer kitty. And I think that he should definitely keep his place for the Tottenham game. And um I, I will be I will be raging. I won't be as mad as Andy if he sees a three-five-two, but I'll be raging if Hawes doesn't play um, on on against Tottenham because I think he deserves it uh, next Sunday. Yeah, and before I get on to Courtney Hawes, so you mentioned him there. Dougie Louise's delivery was fantastic, and I think he, you know, player in a match for me. What what a performance from him! I think he looks superb, and also for for Austin McPhee, who who is taken I mean set pieces were a weakness of ours last season. We barely barely put one in when when Connor wasn't putting the ball in. And, and we've got a, almost a style all of our own to set pieces now. They're, you know, moving around like players on in the NFL. It seems carefully choreographed. We've got movement from everywhere. Players getting on the end of it, and and we're seeing seeing the goals come from it. It's phenomenal. Um, as for Courtney Hawes, I think he is an unfortunate. How do I put this? He's not as good on the ball as Axel Tonzebi, and I think that's why he doesn't start above him. And I think that maybe that's the only reason why Dino doesn't trust him as much. But fair play to Courtney Hawes. He has been an absolute bargain for us. He never lets us down. He scores important goals, makes important tackles. And he would be starting every week for me too, Craig, exactly because of the same reason as you. But I think we saw against Everton the kind of ball that, that Axel can play out the back. And I think that makes a huge difference to the way Dean Smith wants to play. But but hats off to Courtney Hawes, who for £2 million, pound for pound, has been one of the best signings I think Dean Smith has made. Yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be in my team as a starter uh, because you only need two centre-backs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we, we have, we have concert and things. Um, but in the back three, yeah, I absolutely agree. I I don't have a I don't have an issue with uh, Twanze, the Twanze the loan at all. I think it's I think it's absolutely fine, and I actually think I have a feeling he might end up making it permanent. And if he does, um, I think uh, I think that'll that'll help the situation. Certainly, um, given that we are playing three at the back, we certainly needed to sign another centre back. Um, from somewhere, um, and we got we got Transabi. You, you could argue we, you know, really we could have done with another one if if three at the back is going to be the the system going forward. But in terms of the um, in terms of Courtney Hawes, I mean, you know, you can't you can't help but but love his his his, his attitude and his commitment. Um, and I tell you what, there is there is a real player in there, and I've, I've thought from. Obviously, he had a, he had a really difficult start when he started. He had when he first came to Villa on loan, you know, a couple of games where he, he really wasn't at the races. But I think he had a spell at left back then, and then he had a spell um, at centre back with with Tyra Mings um, when Twanzebe was injured that season. And and um, you know what, what a player he just he just adapts to wherever he whatever he's asked to do, um, applies his skill set you know superbly. 
uh, reads the game really well. His, his first touch is excellent, and he's he's got a he's got a, he's got a good pass on him, um, and a, and a bit of skill. And he's he's, he's you know the, the thing about him, he's just so composed. It's like you know the interview like that that you alluded to. Um, it's it's like he he's like he scores winners at Man United every week. It was kind of like, well, this is you know this is this is what we do here at Villa, you know. And I just I just I just loved it and. It feels like um, not just him, but a, a number of these players are really stepping up, and they feel confident. They feel at home now in the Premier League. They don't feel like they're um, trying to prove something. They're here, you know, and this is where they belong. And and um, I love, I absolutely love to see it. And what a stunning header! I mean, you know, up there with Archers a few days before. I haven't, I've never, I haven't seen you know such two quality he- headers. Um, you know, in one week forever, I don't think it's just fantastic. Since the days of Rudy Gested, uh, well, yeah, yeah, we used to get one every blue moon with him, didn't we? But um, they were crackers. <laughs> what a what a car toss he on, is. Uh, All right, on Courtney Hawes as well. Let's just, a, a moment. What a nice guy he seems too. And just to add to this, uh, we seem to have uh, we've got one of the most lo- likable teams I can remember Villa having in a long time. And and he's just another example of a guy who seems like he's got his head on his shoulders. He's just a lovely down to earth guy as well. So yeah, hat tip to him for to adding to our ranks of of nice guys that you want you'd want to go for a beer with. But, but that's a, that's a case of I think. Um, the team reflecting the manager as well, isn't it? Um, you know, and I, sorry, go on, you're going to... No, I was just going to say, there's a really good interview uh, with Dean Smith. It's a two-parter uh, on Graham Hunter's podcast. I would urge you all to to listen to it. There's uh, and, and Dean Smith goes into detail. He talks about the ethos behind his kind of reign at Aston Villa, and you can see it in action now. Like, he doesn't just want good footballers. He wants good human beings who are doing good things and um you can see that the that that he puts great stock in manners he to be you know basic things that you don't think of the are really important to him and it's really important to the atmosphere and you can see that you can see the bond of the group and i love that courtney horse interview for a range of things i love the fact that he said that you know aston villa yeah of course the manager told us we can go toe-to-toe with anyone of course we can come here and beat man united of course we can go to chelsea and compete of course hopefully next weekend we can go to tottenham and get the win i mean and 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 that's borne out by that's not pie in the sky stuff dean smith has now since promotion beaten everybody in terms of uh with man city accepted but hopefully he's saving that one for joe's return in november but he's beaten Liverpool, he's beaten Chelsea, he's beaten Tottenham, he's beaten Arsenal several times. And now he's beaten Manchester United. And obviously the 7-2 against Liverpool stands out as one of the, the best results of Villa's recent history. So why can't the players believe it? You know, it's not going to happen every week. We will have another Watford result at some point, you know, where it just goes wrong and we lose and people are saying Smith out. But over the over the course of the season, you've got to believe that Dean Smith is 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 absolutely bang on the money and he is improving each and every player and some of them are unrecognizable and Courtney Horse is one of those he is not the same cat that we met uh, in that game against Wigan where it didn't look like he could trap a bag of cement and was tripping over himself it looked looked like Bambi on ice Um, you know it's really special what Dean Smith is doing at Villa and I'm enjoying it so so much yeah absolutely and of course um, yeah we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit of course it wasn't over um, Courtney Hawes would um, be the antagonist this time. Um, 
as he was involved at the other end, as he was adjudged to have handballed across. And of course, Mike Dean just could not wait to point at the penalty spot for this one. Um, it felt so inevitable um, that despite the heroics, we would be settling for another point at, at Old Trafford, um, which would have wouldn't have been a bad result. But you know, considering how how um, you know how how well we'd we'd done, um, I think it, I think it would have been very disappointing. However, we had not planned for how easily Emmy Martinez would be able to wind up Bruno Fernandez. And the Portuguese midfielder blasted his penalty over the bar. Obviously, it was a great moment. It secured the, the, the win. But we should acknowledge that that little bit of gamesmanship, just as we were talking about what a nice bunch of, <laughs> of players um, we have. A um, little bit of gamesmanship from Martinez and the other players. Um, he looked like he was, he was calling um, out Ronaldo to take the penalty. I think he was saying, you know, I can save... I can save um, Bruno's penalties all day. Um, I want Ronaldo to take it. We'll never know exactly um, the the effect that would have had on Fernandez, but obviously Solskjaer was clearly unhappy about the behaviour of some of the players, which uh, you know, cry me a river, Holly. Um, I don't know about you, but this feels like a new kind of nastier, or you know, kind of certainly more competitive Villa. Who will stand up for itself rather than roll over and have its belly tickled? Absolutely, I would call it streetwise. I think we just talked, you know, in the in, in the previous um, segment there about how you know we have some really good human beings, but they're also becoming a little bit more streetwise. Uh, one of the things that we we lack for a long time, as you said, is is kind of some players who are willing to give a little bit of needle, but in the right way players who are in control but are on a little bit of a wind-up. Martinez, we saw in the Copa America in the uh, shootout against Colombia, an absolute masterclass where he saved three of the uh, penalty kicks and had an absolute uh, wonderful uh, run-in with Everton's Yeri Mina. I encourage you to uh, throw that into YouTube and have a look at that if you want. And it was a similar thing here because you know already, as 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 uh, we all know that... that you know, Ronaldo is like Mr. Alpha Male and he wants to take every free kick and every penalty. So Martinez already knew that there was tension there and he decided to play on that tension. And as for Solskjaer, he can he can get stuff, man. Look, him and his 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 rabble back in his day of Kino and the, the way they used to surround officials and Fergie time and the fact that your man... And Solskjaer, you know, t- the, the fact that he had the audacity to come out in the press all week and beg for a penalty, beg for a penalty and then gets one and still complains. I mean, look, the guy's under pressure. I I think we've spoken about last week. He's out of his depth. He's not got any business being anywhere near the, the, you know, the the Manchester United Stadium uh, in any other role other than ambassador. You know, he should be shaking people's hands and kissing babies on the door and welcoming them to Old Trafford as they get their salmon, salmon, uh, salmon fritters. This is not a man that is qualified to manage one of the greatest institutions in world football. He's way out of his depth. He knows he's out of his depth. His time's coming to a, a, a close and he's lashing out. 
But as you say, Andy, cry me a river, Solskjaer, we, we, we will swim in your tears and we will celebrate and we will drink our champagne because we beat Manchester United and you are a loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, on the subject of Solskjaer, I'd find it a lot easier to take him seriously if he wasn't looking increasingly like Gollum from Lord of the Rings have been let loose in the Man United club shop. I mean, he it's uncanny. I keep expecting him to be chasing his precious around the pitch. Uh, I'd also take him more seriously if his own Man United side hadn't been fined last year for surrounding a referee from a penalty in the game against Liverpool. I'd also take him more seriously if, if that incident at Villa Park, I think two years ago, when uh, when Fernandes trod on, on Esri Concer and won a penalty, uh, kind of didn't still stick in my mouth. And I, I think what we saw on the weekend was a little bit of karma playing out, and, and that doesn't happen to Villa very often. I mean, we know against United we've had bad penalty decisions against us, send-ins off that never happened, Federico Makeda kind of doing Federico Makeda things. But I think we saw a bit of karma playing out. And as for, for Villas showing some gamesmanship, I think Craig was bang on in saying that it's it's gamesmanship, but within limits. We don't have people thundering into challenges and breaking people's legs. We don't have people in the referee's ear. We've got Emmy Martinez, who is having the time of his life out there, and showing just how confident he is. And you could see the confidence evaporate from Fernandez as he was chatting over his shoulder. And you could see the confidence swell in Emi Martinez as he did a little jig afterwards in the direction of the United fans. And I loved it. You could tell Tyrone Rings loved it. And, you know, we talk. I talk a lot about tactics. We talk about the coach. Anyone who's played football knows that it's it's... 11 men against 11 men and and sometimes you know characters come to the fore big characters can drag their, drag their teammates up they can they can make the opposition play within themselves and for too long Villa haven't had enough of those characters and I think you see in this team now we have a lot of characters that the opposition don't like facing and shrink into themselves and we've got a lot of characters who pick our players up when they're having a bad game and and long may it continue I love seeing it yeah, I do as well, um, and I agree. I think it is controlled, and it is, it, you know, it's 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 not it's not cheating as such, but it's it's pushing the pushing the boundaries. Um, and yeah, absolutely. I think I think this is what this is what um, top class professional football is about. Now it's about being able to, you know, to use everything at your disposal um, within the limits. Um, you know, you know, to to get the right result, I don't think I've ever seen um, a, a, a goalkeeper get so much credit for a, for a penalty that's bit that's been blazed over the bar. I think that's that's the that's the big thing here. He's clearly, you know, affected that penalty taker hugely. He's not saved it, but it almost feels like a save. It almost feels like it's... Well, we've never seen it before as well. The, the context is this is one of the game's best penalty takers. And when he misses, he might hit the post or it might be saved. We have never, ever, ever seen him. And he gets a lot of penalties, by the way, as everyone who watched Manchester United knows, that the, the amount of penalties they get is ridiculous. He hit the space station with that thing. It was ridiculously bad. Like, it was severe. So I give Emi Martinez the credit... And I think that Emi Martinez, you know, and this isn't new. Go back and look at the Everton players, um, not the Everton players, I'm, I'm sorry, the Newcastle players when our mate Anwar El Golzi, my beautiful baby boy who doesn't get a look at anymore, um, 
And uh, actually, I'm just struggling to mention him and squeeze him in because we can't talk about him anymore. He's not in the team. But go look at his penalty against Newcastle. It was exactly the same thing, not quite as pronounced, but Newcastle were time-wasting. I think that someone's trying to scuff up the penalty spot. It took an age. There's a VAR check on that penalty. It took an age for Anwar to actually take that thing. But unlike Bruno Fernandes, my beautiful baby boy, Anwar El Golzi, does not miss ever full stop yeah that's that's true and it's about that having the, the ice in your veins isn't it um one thing i, I you know I, I think i was under the illusion until the summer that that emmy martinez was this kind of nice affable you know goalkeeper who's just very good in goal um but well, you see him at weight rows don't you in <laughs> I, I haven't seen him <laughs> marks and spencers actually but um marks and yeah, spencers, I'm sorry. He, he um other 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 food halls are available um <laughs> but not at the moment i hear but go on. <laughs> it's true. um but um i've lost my train of thought but he, he he has got that bit of argentine that bit of um maradona simeone anyone else you know that that he you know he 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 he's not afraid he's not afraid to 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 use those um those attributes and uh you know, very very good. But Craig as well. You know, what did you think of the dance? He was, he was grinding those hips against that that post towards the Stretford end. It could have been a mating dance. There could be a spike of babies in that Stretford end uh, come nine months from now. I tell you what, because that was special, ladies and gentlemen. Let me play you something. This is the Manscaped 4.0 razor. This is my personal razor that you've heard there. This is the personal razor that goes into my personal intimate areas with a ceramic blade. And you'll see on the camera here, boys, you'll see that this is not rusted. It's also clean, by the way. It's clean. It's not just... <laughs> Thanks. There's not just, Thanks for that, Craig. Don't look to either. There's not just... <laughs> There's not just pubes flying into my microphone here. <laughs> it's clean. We only get pubes on the cat around here, but I already told you about that in previous weeks. So that is the sound of manscaped.com. And it is the sound of the lawnmower 4.0, which has a light on it. It also has a ceramic blade, which does not cut your intimate pink manly bits or brown. Other colors are available. <laughs> um, it absolutely keeps you clean and fresh. And this Manscaped razor... Oh, touch the microphone with that. Um, it brings a certain Villa player to mind that we've been talking about. A former Villa player. A man by the name of Henry Lansbury. Now, Henry Lansbury was signed by Steve Bruce way back in one of Steve Bruce's shopping sprees to come in and be a, a number eight, a number 10 for Aston Villa and drive us to promotion. Now, Henry Lansbury didn't drive us to promotion, but he did drive us to distraction because he turned out to be a liability on the pitch, injury-prone, a bit like a Papadon player, and genuinely disinterested, and he turned out to be a colossal waste of money for Aston Villa. But one thing you can't question with Henry is his personal grooming. I don't know this for a fact, ladies and gentlemen, but I believe that Henry Lansbury is a manscaper. So forget about his exploits on the pitch. Think about his exploits off the pitch. You can make love like Henry Lansbury if you manscape your chafing, hairy balls. All right? Get rid of the sweat. Get rid of the stench. Be a lovemaker. Be like Henry Lansbury. 
manscaped.com. And you get 20% off and free shipping with our promo code LAMP. That's L-A-M to the P. That's 20% off and free shipping with our promo code LAMP at manscaped.com. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. That's uh, Well, if that hasn't inspired you to get on there and use that code, I don't know what will, quite frankly. Um, but whilst we're talking about that, um, this was a, a huge scalp um, for Villa. Um, it felt like a huge weight had been lifted. <laughs> <laughs> scalp, I like what you did there. You don't want to use this on the scalp, it's been on your balls. Yeah. But go on. Yeah, clean it first. Um, Villa now sit eighth in the league on 10 points after six matches. Um, and with half of those uh, games being against teams that are currently above us in the league, it seems to have um, suddenly turned um, from being a bit of a ropey start into into a very decent start. Yeah, a cracking start. I mean, you'll have to forgive me a minute. I'm still trying to get over Craig's conversation there. And for any listener who had Ricky Skimmaker, Henry Lansbury and Craig's cat in the Gather Around the Lamp bingo cards, then congratulations. It's, uh, it's quite the <laughs> reference all this week. But I mean... What a start for Villa. I was, you know, especially considering the preseason we've had. I was I was worried with our preseason. I was worried with our slow start. And I was on this podcast saying I thought it was going to be this was going to be a, a season defining week for us. And I think we've we've shown like, you know, we're a team that can beat Everton comfortably. We're a team who should have beaten Chelsea comfortably and we're a team that can go to Old Trafford and win. I think we're uh, we're still a work in progress too. This team is trying to find its identity both on and off the piss, pitch, and maybe on and off the piss too. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> there's every chance, but um, but no, I think this is a team that's only going to get better. We'll we won't play three five two every week, much to much to Andy's pleasure. We've still got two of our biggest summer signings ready to come into the four and start playing their best football. And we've still got a strike force that need to get on the same wavelength. I think these are exciting times to be a Villa fan, especially the big caveat of of our preseason where we didn't have a preseason and and he who shall not be named disappeared on us. And I think that the boys and Dean deserve a lot of credit. And I think the most exciting thing is there's gears still for them to go through. We have players still to come in the score. We have players who aren't even playing that well. Matt Target's not been great. Watkins hasn't been great. Ings has still got more to come. And we're beating United Old Trafford. We're we're going toe-to-toe with Chelsea. We're beating teams around us. This could be a really, really exciting season. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Dan, completely. I think that um, if you look at the last year's Premier League table and we look at this year... Now, it is early days that there is a large, giant caveat involved in this. It is only six games in and a lot can change, but... If Villa are trying to progress, you're looking at reeling in the, the, the teams ahead of you and keeping the teams behind you at bay. Now, the teams behind us, only really Brighton and, and, and Brentford have had any kind of reasonable start. That obviously can change. It's early days. And then the teams ahead of us, you're looking at who can we reel in? Who can we overtake? Everton, we've already beat them. Leeds have had a terrible start. Arsenal have uh, are a mixed bag, as always. Tottenham are not looking good. West Ham have been strong. And then you've got Leicester as well. We probably aren't going to get near Man City, United, Liverpool and Chelsea if we're being realistic. So let's write those off. But the likes of Everton, the likes of Leeds, the likes of Arsenal and the likes of Sunday's opponents, Tottenham, 
if we can overtake two or three of them, all of a sudden you're looking at a seventh, eighth place finish and you're looking at European football. The same European football that Andy and I were talking about last week is going to persuade the likes of Konza, the likes of Martinez, the likes of Ollie Watkins, who's been linked with Tottenham ironically this week on the BBC I saw, to stay with Aston Villa and keep with Dean Smith and keep with the project, keep the ball moving forward. So... In terms of the start, it was it was patchy, but as 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 Dan mentioned, there is mitigation for that. Jack Grealish, hundred million pounds, three weeks before the season, a truncated uh, uh, preseason anyway because of the Euros. Players away with the Gold Cup, players away with the Copa America, players away at the Euros. You're losing Richard O'Kelly, losing John Terry. We all know what the mitigations are. So the fact that we've come back from this. Um, really dodgy start against Watford or at least a dodgy first half to be in this commanding kind of position is really good and I tell you what if we beat Tottenham on Sunday which is looking very possible it isn't just a good start then it becomes a superb start because the fixtures after the international break with the likes of Bailey returning hopefully Morgan Sansa returning those are much easier on paper so if we beat Tottenham, I think we might be able to start to get a little bit cautiously excited. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? It's 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 seeing how these things go, and you know, every every kind of um, international window that, that 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 comes and goes makes me increasingly nervous. Um, we all saw what happened with the last one, um, absolute disaster, and then. You know, you end up. I mean, it's 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 entirely derailed Emmy Buendia's season, early season at least, because um, he can't get back in the team now. Um, you know, this could this could be the same with, with with other players. I think it's quite fortunate in a way that Leon Bailey's injured. Um, you know, going into that, that means that he won't be away. He'll be you know ensconced at, at Body More Heath. Um, you know, getting better. So, um, but. In terms of the the start, I mean, I heard someone say the other day that the Man United win has almost kind of replaced the Watford loss, if you like. It's kind of brought us up to par um, where we might have thought we were we would have been. Um, I'm not sure it quite works like that, but I can see where he's where they're coming from with that. It's it's you know it's it feels like we're um, we're moving in the right direction at least. Things are definitely improving. Um, it feels like we are improving every week. We're becoming more cohesive, more of a team, you know, um, harder to beat every week that, that goes by, really, um, apart from the, the Chelsea anomaly, really. So um, it's going really well. And I think, you know, credit to Dean Smith. He's just, you know, he's just showing how he can regenerate things to a certain degree, um, which I think is is any top manager has to be able to do that. Otherwise, they last one cycle and they're out, you know, like someone like Jose Mourinho generally has, you know, that, that one cycle, which is getting shorter and shorter and shorter for him. You have to be able to go through two and three and four um, cycles of players really and and, and, and different phases, um, you know, and, you know, he's, he's just adapting so well, adapting his coaching staff, adapting the way the team play, the system, everything, um, you know, he's even gone two up front, which we've never really seen from, from Dean Smith before. So, you know, it's fantastic to see. The three five two is <laughs> a beautiful thing to behold. When it's in full flow like that. Oh, I have to oh I forgot before we say anything else. 
Uh, this is me go. eating another slice of humble pie for Matty, Matty Cash, who not only put one a wonderful ball in for Archer, I forgot to mention earlier, but also, again, the, the ball on the plate for, for Matty Cash, uh, for uh, Matt Target, I'm sorry. It seems like Matty Cash, uh, as a little bit of a sidebar, talking about Dean Smith and an improving player and how players are in, uh, everything's improving. Matty Cash has been a beast the last week. Um, since that first half, since Apache first half against Everton, a long may it continue. And uh, congratulations to him on an apparent upcoming uh, Polish call up as well. Matty Kaszki, isn't it? We've kind of got him on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that'll be great. That'll be great to see him playing, um, you know, and, and hopefully he'll get that call up. I think it might not be this one, but I think by the next, by the November one, he'll be ready to go. So, um, you know, yeah, that'll be fantastic. And, you know, I struggle now to 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 watch England with um with Joe, seemingly um, first name on the team sheet these days um, since he left Villa. So maybe I'll um, I'll adopt uh, Poland as my uh, as my team from now on and follow Matty Cash. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe that's a bit far. Um, but anyway, this Sunday, Villa are back in the capital as we we head to face Nuno's Tottenham. After a solid start, the cracks have started to appear at Spurs, with Harry Kane looking short of form and the team perhaps struggling to adapt to Nuno's methods. Um, however, there are, they, they do have a range of, of match winners in the squad besides Kane. They have Son, Delhi, Hill and, and of course Ndombele, who are all capable um, of producing on the day as well as the ever-reliable Hoiberg, who I would love to see at Villa. I think he's a, a, a tremendous uh, midfielder, and he holds that midfield together for, for Spurs where he can. Villa will be without Leon Bailey again, and, and Morgan Sanson, of course, whilst Axel Twanzebe will be available uh, once more. This feels like uh, the team picks itself again this week, and you know. but do you have any thoughts on, on possible changes for this one? I would keep the three-five-two, Andy, um, because even though it is uh, Tottenham are struggling, listen, a front three of Deli Ali, Harry Kane, and Son are always going to be incredibly dangerous, and the likes of obviously uh, uh, Hill and um, my mate Ndombele, who I think is fantastic. You know, hope we we can we can we can expect a, a stiffer challenge, I imagine, than they put up against Arsenal at uh, the weekend from Spurs. So I would go the same again. I think um, it's really I'll be disappointed if 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 Dino drops whores, as I said earlier. Um, I, I would like to see the same again, and um, and and let's let's put it on Spurs. Let's see if we can let's see if we can get a win. I think that um, there what will be more interesting is what's going on on the bench actually because. We've seen uh, Philogene Bidace didn't make it on. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, talking about Cameron Archer, if um, if if Caleb Trukwamenka might be sniffing around a, 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 a first-team berth anytime soon because he kind of has a different kind of frame and, and might ask different questions. But really happy with the, 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 the strength in depth, really happy that we're an international breakaway, hopefully from seeing the emergence of Morgan Sanson and, and Bailey. Twanzebe is available again, although hopefully from the bench. So I think after such a historic win, I think Dino has to go same again. 
give the chance the boys another chance to 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 get a, another scalp at, uh, at Tottenham, and then you've got those you've got those weapons on the bench to change it if you need to. You can bring on Anwar El Golzi to 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 get you a penalty and not bottle it like Bruno Fernandes. You can bring on old uh, Archer to to buzz around and maybe maybe nick a goal. And you've got the likes of Troyore, our own little magician himself, who's got uh, magic in his boots. So there's lots to be um, grateful for, lots to be thankful for, and I'm really thinking that um, that we've got a good chance here, particularly with Spurs playing, um, I think, Europa League football this this Thursday as well. Wow. Hoiberg and Undomble. I feel like I've stumbled into a Spurs podcast for a moment. But, I mean, they've got <laughs> they've got quality. Let's not, let's not kind of mistake that. But they are there for the taking. They are absolutely there for the taking. And I'd actually make one change to the side, and that is replacing Ramsey with Buendia. Not because Ramsey's been bad, not because he hasn't been phenomenal so far this season, but because Spurs are there for the taking. If you look at the stats, I think they're bottom of the league in terms of distance covered this year. They've, you know, I think 19th in the league for shots faced. They are just not at the races, and I expect Villa to see a lot of the ball. I, I don't think we'll have to press as high or as hard as we did against United, and I think that means we can carry a little bit of extra flair, a little bit of extra guile in the team, and I think it's it's the game where, where Buendia could come in and into that central midfield role and show us what he's got. But make no doubt about it. Yeah, they, they got kind of their pants taken down and spanked against Arsenal and they'll be a wounded animal, but they are 100% there for the taking. They are not a good team. And I actually think they'll, they'll play more like the away side than the home side at, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And uh, uh, I actually think that, yeah, let's put Buendia in. Let's, let's make the most of the back three by letting us have a little bit more luxury further up the pitch because we should be beating them 2 or 3 nil. Ooh. They are not a good outfit. Damn. Wow. They are I mean, not that is, a good outfit. That is confidence. That is that is that is confidence. I would I would I mean certainly that would um you know I'd, I'd take that. The, it's interesting what you say about Ramsey. I think he did pick up a, a, a an injury, didn't he, at the at the weekend as well. Um, whether that will affect him, obviously we haven't heard anything about that as yet. Um, so maybe he'll be he could be a doubt maybe for that. And absolutely, I mean I could see Buendia coming in. Um, playing more as a perhaps as as a number ten in that Tommy Johnson role in that in the um the three the uh, five the three five two there, um so you know possibly possibly that's a that's an option and I'd like to see that I would like to see that would be a nice um a nice <laughs> make the three five two more palatable for you like dumping <laughs> half a half a bag of sugar in yeah your yeah let me not. not that I would not that I would like to see Ramsey out the side I have to say I think. A, you know he's he's just he's just playing playing out of his skin every week, and that midfield three looks looks absolutely solid and superb. If 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 yeah, I suppose if Ramsey is injured, that does then then maybe Buendia. But I quite liked seeing Buendia come on for Ings. I mean Ings wasn't too happy about it, but um, and playing kind of free role behind Watkins that looked interesting to me too. But. Um, Probably, if if Ramsey is in, injured, I would look to maybe, maybe, maybe Bertie as a ten, just because I think that Buendia, as you said, Andy earlier, you know his Argentina exploits, whatever it is, is has really put put paid to him really gaining any momentum at the moment. He was he did look good in the game against Brentford where he scored, but I think certainly. In my opinion, if if someone's going to come in, Traore's done more this season to deserve a start than Brendia at this point in time. Well, fair enough. I mean, you know, that's the thing. We've got 
we've got all these options, haven't we? Um, it's so difficult to um, to actually kind of predict any kind of pecking order at the moment. And uh, you know, there's there's so many players, you know, knocking on the door, um, and it's only going to get you know get louder that knocking. I think over the next few weeks. So uh, hopefully, Dean Smith has got a got a few ideas up his sleeve. Um, but just before we finish, then. Um, Start with Craig. Do you want to give us a prediction for Sunday? Yeah, I think um, Aston Villa 2, Tottenham Hotspur 1. Uh, I'm going to go 3 1 Villa and comfortable 3 1 too. Yeah, okay. Ballsy. Yeah, you've, ta- you've like taken it. the good ones again. <laughs> you've taken the good ones. So now I've either got to go 1 0 or 4 1. Um, no, I'm going to go I'm going to go 2 0. Yeah, split it down the middle. I'll go 2 0 Villa. Um, fairly confident for this one. Um, so we're all, I mean, full house of um, predicted wins here. So uh, let's hope. Um, yeah, watch us lose now. <laughs> let's, hope, <laughs> let's hope it's not after the Lord's Ma- Lord Mayor's show um, next week. But um, if you're going to White Hart Lane on, on Sunday, um, have a good trip and enjoy the day. Um, if not, enjoy the game from wherever you are watching. Um, and uh, if you want to follow us on, on the socials, on Under a Gaslit Lamp, go head over to Twitter, Facebook and Instagram um, where you can find us there. And also check out the, the website underagaslitlamp.com for all the latest um, writing on the first team, the Villa Women and the Academy. And of course, if you want your Manscaped pro- um, products, if you want to get your Hen- Henry Lansbury on in the bedroom, head over to... <laughs> <laughs> there's the soundtrack head over to uh, manscaped.com and use our code LAMP L-A-M-P for 20% off and free worldwide shipping but we'll be back next week to review the Spurs game look ahead to the international break um, so till then stay safe and up the villa